And if you have your Bibles, uh, Genesis chapter 45. Genesis chapter 45. We're going to read a scripture there uh, in verse 4 in just a moment. But I remember uh, just this past fall, uh, my family, my wife and, and, and kids, we took a drive up to, um, to Oak Glen um, uh, here just you know, not too far away, but it's a beautiful place, you know, right there at the foothills uh, of the mountains. And uh, the, the time that we went, it was, it, was, it was a rainy day. It was very misty. It was wet. It wasn't uh, a rainy. It started raining hard, but it was just, it was a nice fall day. And, and uh, as we were up there, we made it up, and there was a, a little bit of drizzle going on. But I remember as we were on our way back, it was, it was the evening was coming, and the fog just came in. I mean, it was this fog that was thick. You know, I know here uh, we get some fog occasionally, but uh, it, it's, it's nothing like it was that, uh, that evening. And it was the, the, the type of fog when you were driving, all you could do was, was look at the, the road uh, uh, to the right of me, the white line, right? That white painted line that's on the road. And I remember that visually I wasn't able to see anything in front of me. Zero. Visibil visibility was zero. But all I could see was the white line there. And that, I'll tell you, is what got us home safely. See, I, I knew there were mountains around us. I knew there were homes. I knew there were, you know, there were other things taking place. But I could not see anything at that moment. All I could see was the white line. And I'll tell you, that white line is what got us home safely. And, and I remember that being a journey that I'll never forget. I'll never forget, I remember the, the picturesque uh, time that we had up there, I remember you know, the pictures we took, and just the time that we had, but I'll never forget the drive home, why? Because it was a journey that impacted me and something I'll remember always. We're on a journey in our lives, can you say amen? We're on a journey, we're headed somewhere. God is doing something in our lives, he's taking us somewhere, we're all on a journey. One author said this, Ursula Le Guin said this, it is good to have an end to journey toward, but it is the journey that matters in the end. And this morning, I want to spend a little time and look at the life of Joseph and his life and some things that, that transpired, things that I, I pray that we could learn from that will help us in this journey that we're taking. As we're, as we're serving God, as we're following God, as we're living this life, we're on a journey. We're headed somewhere. And we know the end result. We know the promises that God has for us. It's good. We know we have heaven waiting for us as we're believers in Christ Jesus. He sacrificed so much for us. He sacrificed his life so that we could be washed, that our sins could be forgiven. So I know that there's something great for me way up ahead at the end of my life. But between now and then, I can't tell you exactly what's going to take place. Neither could you. We're on a journey. There's ups and there's downs. There's smooth straightaways with 100% with visibility. There are going to be times when you have zero visibility and all you can do, you and I can do, is look at that line, look at that standard in our life that will help us make it home. We're all on a journey. Joseph's life was amazing. And what I want to do this morning, I want to read the end the, the, the culmination of the promise that God gave Joseph. I want to start off with that. And then what we're going to do is we're going to spend some time in the Word of God and we're going to see how Joseph got to that place. So it's kind of like those movies, right, where you see the end, it opens up with the end, but you don't understand really what it means because there was a journey to get to that place. So let's look at that and then we're going to pray. 
Genesis 45, verse 4 through 5. This is Joseph speaking. He said, please come closer, he said to them. He's talking about his brothers. So they came closer, and he said again, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't get upset, and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. Let's bow our heads this morning as we pray. Father, we're so grateful, God, for who you are, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit, God, for already moving in this place, God. We thank you, Lord, God, for, for helping us, for strengthening us, Lord, for bringing revelation, for setting us free, God, for bringing a redemption, Lord, God. We thank you for all that you've already done, Father, God. And I pray this morning as we look into your holy word, give us understanding, God, of your scriptures, Lord. Teach us. Help us to walk out of here different. Help us to understand, God, that the, the journey that you have us on this morning is for a purpose. It's your perfect plan, Father God. Praying that you would strengthen us, God. Give us wisdom, heavenly wisdom, God. Not earthly wisdom, but heavenly wisdom, Father. We thank you. We ask in Jesus' name. We all say, Amen. Amen. Now, some facts about Joseph as we look in his life. You know, we've heard of Abraham the patriarch of God's people, of the Jewish nation. We, we know that Abraham had a son whose name was Isaac, the one that he almost sacrificed out of obedience to God, but the Lord, through his grace, stopped him. So Abraham had Isaac, and Isaac had two sons, Jacob and Esau. We remember many things about Jacob. We, one of the things about Jacob was that he wrestled with an angel. He says, I won't let you go until you bless my soul. And then the Lord changed his name to Israel. So we had Jacob, who was Israel, and he had 12 sons, and one of them was Joseph. And we're going to read that God used Joseph's life powerfully. He was once at a lowly place, a place of hurt, of pain, of sorrow, of betrayal, but that God exalted and elevated him to an esteemed place where he was able to help so many people. But how did he get there? I'll tell you, because it was a journey that got him there. He followed the path God had for him. He was faithful to the journey and to the process. See, sometimes in life, we don't like the process, right? We want to get from A to B, B being the best place that we could ever expect or imagine, but we don't like that space in between. But I'll tell you this morning that God is all about the process. He's all about the journey. See, he understands the great and powerful things that he has for you. Awesome things, things that will just blow your mind. But if he were to, to just somehow pick you up and transfer you through time and space to the end result, I'll tell you, you wouldn't be ready for it. But right now in this journey, that's the school for you and I to learn the things that are going to help us when God gets us to that place that he has planned for us. It's the process. It's the journey. So we can't despise the journey. As frustrating as it is, as difficult as it seems, we can't despise the process because God is all about the process. He's working something amazing in your life. So Joseph was known as a dreamer. He was the youngest of his brothers. He had one brother even younger named Benjamin, but in this time he was the youngest of all his brothers, and he was favored and loved by his father Jacob. Man, that, that probably just right there was enough to rub his other brothers the wrong way, right? We know who the favorites are sometimes, and it just rubs people the wrong way. So he was favored and loved by his father Jacob, and at 17 years old, 
is where our story picks up and begins. So Genesis 37, verse 2. We're going to read a few verses, and I want to entitle this excerpt, this passage, as The Promise. This is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for uh, his half-brothers, the sons of his, uh, of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. Okay, they despise him, right? He's giving them, he's giving them some reason. He was, he was telling on them, right? In verse 3, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his, robe, uh, but his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. One night Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him even uh, more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, and this is Joseph speaking, my bundle stood up and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before me. So get the picture. Here's younger brother here telling his older brothers about a dream, saying basically, you guys and what you had were bowing to me. Enough to make him mad. His brothers responded, so you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Soon Joseph had another dream, and again he told his brothers about it. Listen, I have had another dream. They probably knew it was coming already. He said, the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bowed low before me. Man, here he goes again. In verse 10, this time he told the dream to his father as well, to his brothers, but his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that, he asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? Left field. Man, to his brothers, this sounded left field. This sounded crazy, right? Even to his father, it sounded crazy. In verse 11, but while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams, the dreams meant. Now here we begin the strenuous journey of Joseph's life and where he was, he was beginning his journey and God revealed some things to him and he, he had a promise. And surprisingly, it wasn't well taken by his brothers nor his parents. And sometimes I think we could relate to this where, where maybe the Lord has revealed certain things to us and, and uh, sometimes the people that we would imagine and think would, would encourage us and be right behind us, uh, the happiest people for us, sometimes they may be the ones that are, are scolding you, critiquing you, and, and judging you for this promise that you have. Maybe this ambition that God has given you, maybe this goal that you have in your life, you would think, Certain people in, in, in your life would, would, would be right behind you, cheering you on. But sometimes in life, it's not that way. That, it's not that way. Those that you may think should be right behind you, should be wishing you well with fanfare and just, just everything behind you, uh, it's not that way sometimes. And my question to you and I, to, to myself as well. What will we do when we have a promise and, and it's not being well received by anyone, possibly even our loved ones? But we know it's a God promise. Sometimes we could be tempted in that moment just to, just to call it quits. It's not worth it. Sometimes we, fa we favor the opinion of others rather than the plan of God in our lives. Sometimes we're seeking the accolades of others rather than what God has showed us and what God wants to do in our lives. What if Joseph was like that? 
See, he had a promise, and he had to hold on to that promise. And in this story, we're going to move on, but we have to remember that the promise is something that you and I have to hold on to. And God's word is filled with promise for you and I. Some of you are battling some physical ailments and sicknesses and diseases and illnesses in this place. God's promise is there for you. God's promise to heal you, to prosper you, to strengthen you, to guide you, to get you through that, that place in your life. Perhaps some of you are battling depression because of circumstances that have went on in your life, but you look in God's word where he talks about giving you life and life in abundance. That yes, you can look forward to heaven, but while you're here on this earth, you can enjoy the blessings of God, the strength of God, the peace of God. Yes, even in your situation, there's a promise for you this morning. I mentioned children. Perhaps there's some of you in this place and it breaks your heart to see the life that your children are living where you, you, you did your best to raise them up in the things of God. You did your best to, 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 to bring them to God and to teach them. You did your best. But the way things look, it doesn't look like anything worked or anything mattered. But that's not true. We know what the promise says, right? We know what the Bible says. Train up a child in the way they should go. They won't depart for it, from it. Do we remember the story of the prodigal son? The father just had to just had to trust God and, and let him go, and he, and he went out, riotous living. See, we're on a journey, and we can't call it quits, even when the promise that God's given us may not be met with acceptance. But if God's given it to you, you have to hold on to it. You have to hold on to it. If, it's, if God's given it to you, you have to hold on to it. So what has God revealed to you? What's he spoken to you about? Have you taken that first step in faith to accomplish that ambition and that goal? See, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we live by believing, not by seeing. We live by faith, not by sight. God has deposited a promise in your life, perhaps a godly ambition, something he wants to help you accomplish in your life. You have to pursue that in faith, not by sight. It may look like situations are entirely against you, but you have to walk by faith, not by sight. You have to go with what God's word says. Walk by faith and not by sight. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. Amen. I believe there are some in this place. It's been a long journey for you to even physically be here. Perhaps, uh, perhaps you uh, tuning in online, but God knows what he's doing. It may have been chaos that you're coming from, but you found a way to be here in the house of God this morning. And man, you're in the right place. You're in the right place. Keep it up. Keep coming to the house of God, serving him and trusting in him. See, Joseph had a promise. On our journey as Joseph's, it began with a promise. Hold on to that promise. Secondly, in Joseph's life, he experienced betrayal and uh, Genesis, again, 37, verse 4, but his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. And then as we jump to verse 11, but while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. So his brothers hated him, and they were jealous. They hated him, and they were jealous of him. Let's not be surprised when we are on the, the receiving end of hatred and jealousy. Don't be surprised. 
They did it to Jesus. They did it to him a long time ago. They did it to Joseph. So why are we any different? Sometimes we're taken by surprise, and I, and I understand it. But they did it to a righteous man, Joseph. They did it to Jesus. Sometimes we'll be treated with hatred and jealousy, but we can't give up the promise. We can't give up the promise. So as the story goes on in Joseph's life, his brothers began to coerce, and they got together, and they had a plan to kill Joseph. They were going to kill him. But his brother Reuben came to Joseph's rescue, and he told his brothers, no, let's not kill him, but just throw him in this dried-up well, and we'll sell him. So Reuben, you know, he, he meant well, but he still was a part of it, so he at least he, he, he directed him in the other way. So what happens is they did that. Joseph came along. He was wearing his coat of many colors, and his brothers ripped it off, and they threw him in this dried-up well, determined to sell him, Genesis 37, 28. So when the Ishmaelites, who were Midian traders, came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him up out of the cistern and sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver. And the traders took him to Egypt. They sold him. His very brothers, his kin... His older brothers at that, the ones that were supposed to look out for him, the ones that were supposed to protect him, to supposed to, to guide him and lead him, to supposed to help their father perhaps raise him. They were they're his older brothers, and if anyone in the world was, were, were there to help him, it was his brothers, but they sold him. They sold him out. And again, we go through things in our life, and there are those situations or even people that sometimes, man, if, if I knew anyone was going to have my back, they were going to protect me, I thought it would have been this person, but we were betrayed. And what does that do to the promise? It shakes it. I'll tell you that. It tests it. Sometimes at that moment, we're tempted to throw in the towel. Betrayal is a hard thing to deal with. You know, you trust people, right? You spend years trusting. We, it's not something that's taken lightly. And I'll tell you, any, to all of us in this place, if we've earned the trust of someone, we have to protect that. We have to value trust. Trust is not something that can be purchased with money. Trust is something that's priceless. And this very thing that Joseph had in his brothers was thrown away, and they sold him for 20 pieces of silver. You get the picture Young teenager, all his brothers were older, and they sold him. They turned their back on him, and they just let him go. Have you been betrayed in this place? Perhaps your confidence has been betrayed that you've maybe put in someone. Perhaps it's testing your faith. Perhaps it's testing your, your resolve in God's kingdom and, and for you to continue this race. But I'll tell you that we have to hold on to the promise even through betrayal. Hold on to what God's told you. Hold on to what God's promised you. Amen. So the story goes on, and they, they, take, they take him all the way to Egypt, and, and, and miles, this is probably about three, 400 miles away from them. And I know today, right, you could pick up the phone, you could, you could message someone. If someone was, you were wondering if they're hurt or they're okay, they could pick up their phone and text out. But it wasn't like that back then. Three to 400 miles away, they took him to Egypt. Young teenager, new environment, not knowing where he was or what he was doing. And in verse 36, meanwhile, the Midianite traders arrived in Egypt where they sold him to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Potiphar was a captain of the palace guard. 
See, Psalms 41.9, the Bible says, Even my best friend, the one I trusted completely, the one who shared my food has turned against me. Jesus experienced this. Joseph experienced this. He was betrayed. On our journey, as Joseph's journey, there may be betrayal at times. So here's Joseph. He's there in Potiphar's house. And he's serving. He's becoming a servant, a purchased servant to help Potiphar. And the Bible talks about Joseph as being a handsome young man. And he was there serving there faithfully in Potiphar's home, and he was just serving. He was serving. And the story goes on to say that Potiphar's wife began to make advances towards him, towards young Joseph. But he would resist. He would hold on to his integrity to his righteousness, he would hold on to his integrity, and, and, and day after day she would make advances to try to have her way with him. But he refused. See, in our journey there's going to be temptation. There's going to be the temptation for us to give in to sin, to give in to rebellion, to give in to turning our back on God because, of the, the, because the situation has gotten so hard. We're going to be tempted. The promise in our life it's going to be tested. There's going to be temptation. God gives us a remedy in, his, in the answer for temptation. But we look here in Genesis 39, 8. Joseph, it says, Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything. Again, we're talking about trust, right? It's such a valuable thing. My master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be uh, such a great sin against God. And I think that we have to adapt and adopt this, this spirit and this attitude in our lives when it comes to sin. We have to ask ourselves, how could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. I believe in this world that, that sin is no longer called sin anymore, right? It's called a personal choice. It's called what's good for you. If it feels good, go ahead and do it. Sin is something that is becoming so unpopular in this world, but we have to call it what it is. Sin is sin. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be such a great sin against God. See, the devil would tell you, try to convince you and I, you deserve it. You've been through so much. Go ahead and give in. But what about righteousness? What about the standard of righteousness that God has given us? I'll tell you, in this day and age, it's being tested each and every day. We see it on the news. Things that were once called sin way back when has now just become a choice. It's now just become the, it's just the way God created you. So go ahead and follow every desire of your heart. But sin is a real thing. And church, help us to never lose that attitude, that question in our life. If we're tempted with sin, to ask, how could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. Never lose that. Never lose that conviction. Never lose that conviction from the smallest thing that we may see as the smallest to the biggest thing. Let sin be called sin. So understand in our journey there's going to be temptation. James 1.13, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. God's not tempting you to do evil. He's not laying evil right there in front of you to see, see if, if you're going to take it or not. But he will allow tests and trials to come your way. But understand that it's the devil that tempts you with evil. He understands 
your but, your, uh, our buttons, right? He understands what, what is our bait. He understands those things that, that cater to our flesh, and he'll bring that before us, but we have to resist. In James 4, 7, humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resist the devil. Resist. That's the answer to temptation. You're feeling tempted this morning? Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. On our journey is Joseph's journey. There's going to be temptation. As the story goes on in Joseph's life, as he stood up and he didn't give in to this temptation with Potiphar's wife, the story goes on to say that she lied about him. She took his cloak. He, he just, he ran away and he valued trust more than anything. So she grabbed him, he, 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 he took off and she had his cloak in her hand and she lied about him. She slandered him and she told her husband that he tried to, he tried to rape me, he tried to have his way with me, but, and, and then he left. So Potiphar became angry and then Long story short, they imprisoned young Joseph. Man, so he was betrayed by his brothers, the ones that were near and dear to him, and the one that he was serving faithfully. He was there day in and day out being faithful to Potiphar, serving him, helping his household. He was thrown into prison by him. See, there's going to be seasons in our lives, and I want to talk about obscurity. What's the definition of Obscurity. Obscurity is a state of being unknown, inconspicuous, or unimportant. See, Joseph had a promise, and he had these, these crazy dreams, but dreams that God showed him. But here he was, he started off there being in a dried up well, all by himself, betrayed. Then he, he ended up as a servant in Potiphar's house, someone he didn't know, but, but he was just serving there in obscurity. No one, no one seen his fanfare other than God and, and Potiphar. But his brothers didn't know what was going on. His father didn't know, know what was going on. He wasn't receiving acc accolades. But what was he doing? He was serving in obscurity. And he was faithfully serving. You would think that he would be rewarded for that. But no, it got even worse. And then he ended up in prison. Obscurity, the state of being unknown, inconspicuous, or unimportant. See, sometimes in this journey, we'll go through seasons where we feel that we're in obscurity. That this person may not be patting you on the back or this person or this situation, but what are we doing with that? Who is our audience? I want to ask you that. Isn't it God this morning? Isn't it God? It's God who sees all things, who sees everything. So you and I have to have the attitude that despite no matter who sees us, who, who doesn't see us, see us we're going to still serve with that genuine heart. We're still going to serve and do it as unto the Lord. See, sometimes you may feel an important, overlooked or lesser esteem, but understand that God is working something amazing in your life. Be faithful where you are. Be faithful in that ministry. And I'll tell you, perhaps you're blessed to serve in a ministry where not many see you. Man, your reward is great in heaven. Those are, those are the areas of ministry, man, that are pr producing such great reward. Why? Because you're doing it unto God. See, no one else may see it, but listen, Psalm 17, 8, keep me as an apple of your eye. Hide me under the shadow of your wing. I'll tell you this morning, you're the apple of God's eye. You're the apple of his eye. He sees everything that you're going through. He sees how you're serving in faithfulness, in grace, how you're continually serving. He sees it. He sees it. Even if you feel that you're in obscur obscurity, there's a season for it, but God sees your faithfulness in everything. Let's look at Joseph's life. He served. No matter where he was, he served. He had a servant's heart. 
In Genesis 39, 2 and 3, the Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw, and he's talking about Potiphar, his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. Man, that's what I want in my life. That no matter where I'm at, no matter where I'm serving that Lord, that you would be in the middle of it, God. That you would prosper me, God. That you would uh, prosper me for your honor and glory, my God. That's what we should desire so that God would be glorified. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord had made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph went to prison and even there he served. Genesis 39, 20. Then Joseph's master took him and put him, up, uh, put him into the prison, a place uh, where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in the prison, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. Thank you, Jesus. And he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph, Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. I'll tell you, believer, no matter where you're at, if you keep the right heart, God's going to bless you. Whatever you put your hands to, he's going to make it prosper. At your workplace, be faithful. Serve faithfully. Serve with a righteous attitude, with a gracious attitude. Serve. Continue to serve. God's going to bless you. As you do it in humility, I believe perhaps you're, you're praying for, for promotion. You're praying for a new position at your job. Be faithful in obscurity. Be faithful in the silent, in the quiet times. Be faithful and God will do his wondrous work. Why? Because he sees your heart. Serve faithfully. Always serve, serve, serve. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. On our journey, there's going to be seasons of obscurity, but serve anyway and serve always. So then we go on to the story where Joseph was promoted. So 13 years passed since Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery. So we understand as we started off that Joseph was a dreamer. And while he was in prison, there were two people there that were, that were in prison with him, but they were of the royal house. They were of Pharaoh's house. And God used Joseph to interpret their dreams. And Joseph interpreted their dreams accurately. And one of these gentlemen ended up dying because it was just, it was just in the plan for him to die. Pharaoh impaled him and killed him. But the other one, Joseph accurately told him that in three days you're going to go back and you're going to be there in Pharaoh's presence serving. And Joseph told him one thing. He says, when you go back, please put in the good word for me. Put in the good word. Tell Pharaoh that I'm here unjustly and, and, and just put in the good word for me. You know what happened? This man told him, yes, I will do this. And this man goes off and his life is spared and he's serving Pharaoh. And for two years, he doesn't say anything. Right? Haven't we ever thought, man, let, put in a good word for me. And, and, and that person promises and they go on and they don't do that. And that's what happened here to Joseph. So he remained in prison for two years. Talk about patience. Patience. So important. So the story goes on that Pharaoh begins having these dreams and this, this man who was in prison with Joseph remembers Joseph two years later and he tells Pharaoh, hey, I know someone that can interpret this dream. So he brings, they prepare Joseph and, they, and he comes into the, to the very presence of Pharaoh. And understand Pharaoh back there, historically the Pharaoh, they were thought of as gods. They were, they were supreme. They, were, they ruled Egypt with all power. 
And here's Joseph. He's now in the presence of Pharaoh. So Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dream and he gives him that, that advice. Joseph prophetically interprets his dream that there's famine coming upon Egypt. For seven years, there's going to be a, a, a time of plenty. And through God's wisdom, Joseph tells Pharaoh, here's what you should do, is that in those times of plenty, you should store up, save and store up. Take 20% of all the crops and store it up into the storehouses because here comes, uh, after seven years, there's going to be a, a famine for seven years. So Pharaoh's blown away by this wisdom. In Genesis 41, 37, it says, So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Inasmuch as God has show you, shown you all this, uh, there is no one as discerning and as, and as wise as you. Ye shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Wow, this is amazing. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. Do you see what happen, what's happening here? Pharaoh's saying, basically, I'm, I'm in rule, but you're second in command in all of Egypt. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand and put it on Joseph's hand. He became royalty at that moment, and he clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. And he had him ride in the second chariot, which he, uh, which he had, and they cried out before him, Bow the knee! So he set him over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh also said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no man may lift his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. Amazing. We see here Joseph faithfully serving through the years, and we see God's plan and purpose being fulfilled in his life. See, I was thinking about Joseph and how he was faithfully serving Potiphar. He was serving one person. And he understood who, understood who his audience was, that it was Almighty God watching him. So he had to serve in excellence and righteousness. So he faithfully served Potiphar. And now here, all these years later, he's now serving under Pharaoh. And his influence and impact is, is having an effect on the entire nation. See, he went from serving one person faithfully to, to serving in an entire nation faithfully. Why? Because he held on to integrity. He held on to that, that attitude of service and serving no matter where he was. And this is, church, this is what God wants for us to have, that attitude of serving no matter where you are. Keep that excellent attitude of service because you don't realize where it's going to take you. God's preparing you. You're on a journey. See, from seemingly small service, Joseph went to service on a massive scale. On our journey, God will increase our influence so that we can help many more people and bring them to Jesus. Amen. Be faithful. Be faithful where you are, church. Be faithful, even if no one sees it. Be faithful where you are. God is working something great. So there's Joseph in Egypt Second in command. And I want to just close this off as, as the worship team makes their way up. Here we see God's redemption. And for the sake of time, I'm going to summarize this, but it turns out that the famine came and Jacob and, and all of his sons there, they, they, they began running out of food. So where did they have to go? They had to go to Egypt because Egypt had all the food. And little did they know 
It was because of Joseph's wisdom, God-given wisdom. They knew the place that they had to go. So through the span of time, his ten brothers came, and they came before him, and Joseph recognized them. The brothers didn't recognize Joseph, but Joseph recognized them. And through some interactions and them going back and forth, and, and you, you could read the story. It's so powerful. But there's a moment where Joseph prepares a banquet with his brothers to dine before him. And at this moment, they still didn't know that this was Joseph, their brother, their long-lost brother. And as we come full circle, we look in Genesis 45, verse 4. Here's what Joseph said to them. Please come closer, he said to them. So, that they, so they came closer and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset. Don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead uh, of you to preserve your lives. And then if we continue on in verse 6. For these two years, the famine has been in the land, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now, listen to this. It was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. So powerful. There's so many, there's so many aspects of this story that we can learn from, but what's so powerful is the condition of Joseph's heart at the end of this journey. And, and, and it didn't end here for him. There are many more years that he had. But the condition of his heart. See, he was in a place full of power. At the snap of his fingers, he could have brought judgment. He could have annihilated his, his brothers right there and got payback for what they did to him. He could have did anything he wanted. He could have imprisoned them forever. But there's something beautiful about the journey that Joseph took and, and what it did to his heart. See, I thank God for the mountaintops. I thank God for the good times in my life, and I want good times in my life. But the lessons I learn on the mountaintop, they're not as impactful and powerful as the things I learn in the valley. The things I learn in the valley, they, they, they cause me to, to, to run, to, to get on my knees, to call out to God, to depend on my Father. They cause me to look at myself, to make sure I'm, I'm doing my best to serve God righteously and doing what He wants in my life. That's what the valley does to me. See, when we're in the mountaintops, we thank God for it. We thank God for the different seasons and blessings. We thank God for it. But what about those times when you're without? Man, aren't you running to Jesus? Each and every morning, man, you're praying. You're believing God. You're, you're, you're quoting scripture over your life. You're confessing scripture over your life. You're confessing your sins. You're making sure you're doing everything right to be right in God's eyes. Why? Because you're in the valley and you're in need of him. Thank you, Jesus. And see, Joseph's heart was soft. Why? Because he went through the valley. And here he was on the mountaintop. But his heart was forever changed because he allowed God to work the process in his life. This morning, if we could all stand in this place. Perhaps you're in this place this morning. 
and you've been walking this journey and you've been tired, you've been weary, perhaps you feel you're in a season of obscurity or you're in a season of temptation, you're in a season of trial perhaps. And sometimes you're con you consider throwing in the towel, what's, what's it all worth? What if Joseph said that? The wisdom that God gave him saved an entire nation. He didn't see that when he was betrayed there at the bottom of that dried out well. No, he didn't see it at all. He was, just, he was just a teenager. He was hurt. He was betrayed by the very ones he loved. But that was the first step in him getting to his destiny. And it blows my mind like, like God could have snapped his fingers and just had Joseph there in, in, in over all of Egypt. He could have done that. But Joseph's heart, it wouldn't have been where God wanted it to be. See, sometimes it's the journey that we have to endure, and God's preparing our hearts. He's preparing our hearts. He has something beautiful and powerful for us, something amazing that, that, that we can't even fathom. And you know what you are in, uh, today? You're, you're in the journey. God's preparing your heart so that you could be ready for that. You're praying for breakthrough there. It's your job. You're praying for new, new uh, areas of ministry or influence or, or impact or, or, or finances or whatever it may be. God desires to bless you and I but he wants us to be ready for it. Amen? Our hearts have to be ready for that this morning. Our hearts have to be ready for it. With every head bowed, every eye closed this morning,